Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. And on the line with us right now is investigative reporter extraordinaire John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, you always have the latest, greatest breaking news. What do you have for us? Uh, Listen, uh, for months now, we've been hearing about President Biden negotiating with Iran, trying to resurrect that nuclear deal that Barack Obama had and was canceled by um, Donald Trump. Well, we keep hearing examples that the Iranians have not been good faith negotiators, and we have a big one today in New Jersey. Uh, Just a few hours ago, federal prosecutors unveiled a sweeping indictment saying that three Iranian-backed nationals, so backed by the U.S. government, launched numerous cyber attacks against targets, including our multiple multiple power companies. So our utilities, trying to take out our utilities. So as Iran has been asking for our money, asking for a nuclear deal, they've been targeting through these people in the United States, in New Jersey specifically, our power plants trying to take our grid offline. A lot of people reacting to that, wondering why are we negotiating with a company that keeps trying to attack us? That story is getting a lot of attention today. Another one, we got a bombshell last night from John Durham, the special prosecutor in the Russia collusion case. The man that we knew to be the source of the very well-disproven now steel dossier, a man who we knew the FBI suspected of being a Russian agent, a man we knew is accused and standing trial. And we just found out that man, Igor Danchenko, is a man the FBI has been paying as a confidential human source for three years. He was on the taxpayer's payroll. Despite all of that baggage, John Durham revealed that to us uh, last night. Lots of new questions about the FBI's judgment. Why would they pick a guy with that much baggage, that much problems, and use him as a source trying to prove that Donald Trump was involved in Russia collusion, something we now know not to be true. That that is unbelievable. He was on the FBI payroll, and, and, and he was doing all of that, too. And he's a shady character on top of it. And he was their, their informant to impeach the president of the United States. And think about this. The, oh here's how he came on our radar. How, here's how we knew he was a bad guy. As the Obama administration was coming into power, Igor Danchenko, according to these court documents, was trying to pay people in the Obama administration to steal and give him classified information so he could give it to the Russians. Think about that. That's the sort of guy they were so desperate to get Donald Trump, they were willing to put on our payroll in hopes they could find some dirt on Donald Trump. That was a bombshell that came out last night. Wow. Now, tell us about what's going on about Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy. I mean, could it be that they literally got him at a Hardee's drive-thru and and took his phone away because he questioned the election results in Colorado? Yes, I have confirmed with FBI sources that, in fact, a, a group of FBI agents uh, who were tracking his phone did, in fact, stop him while he was in a drive through line and seize his FBI phone under using a grand jury subpoena. Um, yeah, listen, we've seen over the last two weeks uh, an accelerating probe into the January 6th. Uh, issues. And when I talk about it, that's expanded a lot now. It's involved in fundraising. It's involved in contacts with state officials. It's involved. But the FBI literally stopped the businessman whose lawyer they had on their phone number. They could have called the lawyer and arranged the surrender of the phone, but they didn't. They did another show of force, much like the many things that we've seen over the last three years. Uh, again, 
the more the FBI does these things, the more I'm beginning to hear from people, even some Democrats, some former FBI executives, that the FBI is begging to have another church commission hearing, to have another independent group like we had in the 70s come in and say, what are you guys doing? But that uh, that moment has been confirmed. Uh, uh, Mike Lindell's story has been confirmed to us by FBI sources. That is that is some story. I mean, at this point, we know the FBI, 99% of the guys that work at the FBI, they're great people. And maybe they're totally. just following orders from the DOJ. But at what point does... Does both sides of the political party say, listen, we cannot be weaponizing a a government agency like the FBI? This is crazy because all the people they seem to be raiding and subpoena, they have to be Republicans or they're Trump supporters. Yeah, listen, the impression that it's become a political enforcement police instead of a law enforcement uh, police agency is growing every day. Even some Democrats I talk to now say, listen, this has just gone too far. They're just not using common sense. I've had one person say, the FBI seems to be suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. They're so obsessed, they don't realize what they look like to everyday people. But I think the change, if, if there's a change in leadership in elections, next year we'll begin to see some hearings and some of the FBI conduct will kind of be put on a screen for people to look at. And I think when the FBI looks at its conduct, it's going to have some regret about some of the ways it's acted over the last few years. Very hard to defend a Danchenko hiring, very hard to say you stopped a guy in a fast food restaurant who you've known about for a year. I think people are beginning to question some of the judgment that the political leadership of the FBI are exercising. Next year may be the year, the looking glass moment, where people realize that's not the FBI we want to be. Any other thing you want to tell us about? I have one other story that I think is going to become important. Uh, The January 6th committee hearings have been a one-sided show about Donald Trump and his supporters and getting out of control and doing bad things on on January 6th. Nobody disputes that. Everyone who did assaulted a police officer deserves to be prosecuted. But one of the things that has not gotten an ounce of attention from the committee is all of the intelligence that flowed into the January 6th, I'm sorry, into the Capitol Police Department for three weeks prior to January 6th. There was all the warning signs, all the sirens were blaring red, and the Capitol Police Department did not put a plan together, even though it's worth, it has $600 million of funding a year, to stop attacks they knew were coming. Well, last night, I obtained an extraordinary uh, memo. It is a written three days after January 6th by the top intelligence analyst for the Capitol Police. His name is Eric Horm, and he wrote this extraordinary email saying, my fellow colleagues, we could have stopped January 6th. We had the intelligence. We knew it was going to happen. We didn't staff appropriately. We have to be honest with ourselves, and we have to learn from this mistake so that we never repeat it again, so that none of my colleagues ever again get assaulted in an attack that could have been prevented. Sort of thing you're not going to hear from the January 6th committee, but it has gotten extraordinary play all across the country today. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of people have been reading the story and sharing it. Uh, remember that name, Eric Corp, because if Republicans get into control next year of one of the chambers of Congress, he's going to become a witness. And one of the things I confirmed last night, there are about eight or ten other uh, Capitol Police officers that have come forward saying our leadership knew this was going to happen and they failed to prepare for it. Uh, John Solomon, uh, the the thing that the Democrats are talking about, and I think uh, the governor in New York running against uh, Zeldin is saying that Five people were killed in January 6th. What five are they talking about? Anybody commit suicide? I mean, what happened? It's a political ad running endlessly. Let's hear what John says. It's not true. There's nobody that actually died from a direct injury in uh, that day. There are people that had 
heart attacks or people who had suicide. You can say they're related or ancillary, but there were not five people who died in the attacks that day. Or, uh, uh, you know, the most uh, famous one is an officer who suffered a stroke the next day and died, but no evidence that the stroke was caused by a head injury or injury that he suffered. Uh, one could argue the stress of a traumatic episode certainly contributed to it, but it is an overstatement from the evidence that is now in the in the uh, uh, body politic that, they, that that's just not true. Five people were not killed that day. They didn't die that day. Uh, they died in the aftermath of that day, and maybe that horrible episode contributed, but it's an overstatement, and I think even the PolitiFact and other fact-checking sites have called that out as not an accurate um, representation of what happened that terrible day. Well, John Solomon, thank you for telling the truth. And our duty uh, is to tell the truth. And and uh, God bless you and uh, God bless America. And may America survive the way me and you grew up. Yeah, thank you so much for the time. I love being on, on your show every day. Thank you.